This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Got a short week, folks. Can't dwell on the Baltimore Ravens for even a second longer. Do you have one more thing you want to say about the Ravens? No, shut your mouth, Jacob. You can't say anything hey, more about hey, the Ravens. you shut your mouth. You shut your mouth about the Ravens. We're moving on to the Minnesota Vikings, just like Mike Tomlin did in his press conference on Monday. He said, listen. Last week was last week. This I, week is this week. I didn't week even look at the Ravens film. I just burned that thing, threw it in the trash can. I'm on to Minnesota. We're on to Minnesota here on the Steelers standard. And Minnesota might be the weirdest team in the NFL this year for sure. Maybe in the history of the entire league. There are a league. lot of weird teams in the NFL this year, Tom. That's a bold statement. No, this one's the weirdest team. Fake. 11 of the 12 games have been settled by one score or less for Minnesota. Their seven losses have come by a combined total of 28 points. Their average margin of defeat of just four points is the lowest in the NFL. In 11 games this year, out of the 12 that they played, the Vikings have had the ball with the lead on the scoreboard. That's the most in the NFL. They're always winning football games. They're always playing in one-score football games. They're 5-7, and seven, and they just lost to the winless Detroit Lions. That two weeks removed from beating Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers in one of the best games in the NFL season, a shootout. I have no idea how to judge this Vikings team. I have no idea what team is going to show up on Thursday in Minnesota to face your Pittsburgh Steelers. It is an enigma. And it makes it even stranger that it's on a Thursday night because you toss out everything when it's a Thursday night game. Short week, short time to plan. Injuries are that are lingering have less time to recover. <sighs> Tom, I, I, I cannot put a finger on this Minnesota Vikings team either. Injuries, obviously a big deal for Minnesota in this one. Usually the road team is at the disadvantage in a Thursday night football game because you have to travel. So you really don't have a single day to practice. Monday's the day after the Sunday game. You're not going to practice then. You need to rest and rehabilitate. Tuesday, I mean, it's two days away from a football game being played. You don't see them really practicing super hard on Fridays usually during the week. They're certainly not going to do it on Tuesday. Two games removed two days removed two days. from a game and two days away from a Four. game and then Wednesday's travel day so you're not going to be able to really practice you know the big thing that was the theme out of Steelers practice before the Ravens week was the pads were popping baby we were putting pads back on it's Ravens week you can't put pads on this week you can barely do walkthroughs this week so good luck with that all of the the game planning for Minnesota that's all going to have to be done you know walkthroughs if you get a chance to meetings in position rooms i mean it's it's very hard to get a single practice and even for a home team they could probably only practice about once full speed before the game happens but in this specific case i think i give the advantage to the steelers because of all the injuries that are plaguing the minnesota vikings both of their starting inside linebackers eric kendricks and anthony barr gone out for this game most likely uh, did not play last week. I guess they're hoping that Kendricks can come back. He's one of the best players on the team. Leads the team in tackles by a wide, wide margin. Has like 109 tackles on the year. Those guys are out. Christian Darisaw, he's questionable to start. One of their rookie uh, rookie linemen has been really good for them on a line that's been incredible for the Minnesota Vikings so far this season. Dalvin Cook is out for sure. One of the better running backs in all of football, although Alexander Madison, pretty, pretty, good pretty decent backup to step in for him. 
And I think the big one that really hurts them, and it's still kind of up in the air, but Adam Thielen with a high ankle sprain, I would be shocked if he plays. If he does give it a go, I don't think he's going to be very effective with that high ankle sprain. He certainly won't be 100%. That's an injury that would have been questionable had they played on a normal week on a Sunday, let alone four days rest. I don't think he's Rushing it back, it won't give them much help either. And that actually proves, as you said, Tom, to be a benefit for the Steelers because now – you really are just left to plan for one guy on offense, and that's Justin Jefferson. Yeah, he's not that good either, so it shouldn't be, so. shouldn't be too hard to plan for him. But the Steelers do a really good job of taking away teams' biggest strengths, and I'd say it's a toss-up between three of these guys on the Vikings offense, but I'd give it to Justin Jefferson. I mean, he's already got 1,209 receiving yards on the season so far. It's incredible what he's doing. Yeah, ask ask Chase Claypool how his sophomore season is going. He's got five 100-yard games already this season. He had six in his rookie season. So 11 100-yard games in just two years of your career already. He's been phenomenal. But the point I'm trying to make is they do a good job, the Steelers do, taking away that big threat. You know, Waller took him away against the Raiders this year. Devontae Adams was quiet-ish against the Packers this year. Diggs barely did anything against the Bills this year. Um, even against the Bengals when they got absolutely blown out a couple weeks ago. Jamar Chase was kind of quiet in that yeah, game. It was the, T. Higgins, the problem right. is T. Higgins and Joe Mixon are really good football players too. Well, the Vikings have that kind of thing going for them usually, but thankfully for the Steelers, it's not a case of, oh, we take away Jefferson. Well, they still have Thielen. They still have Dalvin Cook. You take away Jefferson, you're dealing with Madison, who's okay, and K.J. Osborne. Conklin, the Ty tight Conklin, end. who's already the backup tight end because Irv, Irv Smith, Smith is out. I mean, I don't know. Season. That's a benefit for the Steelers because they can really key on taking away the biggest strength in Jefferson, and there's no second or third fiddle there to really pick up the slack. So I think that's a huge advantage for the Steelers. And even if Thielen can play, you have to question his effectiveness with that kind of a, uh, an injury, a high ankle sprain for a guy who's got a cut constantly running routes. It's not going to go well. I don't think it will either, and I think, as I said earlier, I think that leaves this short week to be very simple. Plan for number 18 to get the ball, and that's really all you have to do. I mean, obviously, you want to contain Madison, but he's not even the starting guy. I mean, think how many people they are going to be down on offense alone. We, we're not even really talking on defense just quite yet. And defense, too, though. I of mean, course. No, of course. But I'm saying on offensive alone, where— You've struggled the past uh, three out of the last four weeks. You did a better job this past week against the Ravens, but the three, the three weeks prior to that, you were doing a, a pretty bad job, and it got a lot of national attention just because your, your, your franchise is based on defensive play, and you were allowing teams like Detroit and Cincinnati and, and L.A. to run all over you. Now this offense is down not just in names, but in protection, too, as you mentioned, Darisaw as well. That's going to be a huge hindrance to that. What I worry about, too, is against the Chargers, Steelers' defense got kind of torched. Got a really good receiving core there. Got a really good young quarterback there. Cincinnati, same deal. Really good receiving core there. Really good young quarterback there. Baltimore, not a really good receiving core. And I think this is fair to say, and I love you, Lamar. I don't want to be labeled as someone who's a doubter, but it's his worst passing season so far. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Sure. I mean, he's thrown, like, what, six interceptions in his past three games? It's not been pretty for Lamar this year. So, But to be fair, now, to, Lamar, to, be fair to Lamar, this is probably the least amount of weapons he's ever had on a team. It's just Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown. That's all he's got to, to no throw No running backs, it. basically, and whatsoever. Exactly. Uh, Number uh, one. It might as well be two 50-year-old running backs out there. 
two guys that are he's handed the ball off to weren't uh, at the start of training camp with him. So, yeah, it's it's been an uphill battle for them injury-wise on that Ravens offense, and they're having to refine their identity because they don't have their starting running backs that they thought they'd have. But my point is you got a guy who doesn't have that many good receiving options and is really struggling to throw the ball, and the Steelers step up big and get stops holding the 19 points on the day. Now you've got a quarterback in Kirk Cousins who is probably now I said Lamar's having the worst season of his career passing wise. Kirk might have his best season might of his be. career passing wise. Now he's got twenty five touchdowns and three interceptions. That's the seventh straight year he's thrown twenty five touchdowns. So it's not a surprise to see him putting the ball in the end zone a lot. Kirk does that. It's the three interceptions yep. that's really shocking. He's usually a twenty five touchdowns, eleven interceptions at this point if not kind more. of guy. But he's really doing a great job of protecting that football, and he's got a dog in Justin Jefferson. So even though the receiving core is depleted and not as well-rounded as the Chargers and the Bengals had been in the past couple weeks, they might have the best receiver out of all of those receiving cores in Justin Jefferson for Kirk to throw the ball to. So that's one thing I'm kind of holding my breath on is, yeah, they did a really good job against the Ravens, but how prolific really was that passing attack? Chargers Bengals game did have a prolific passing attack with a really good quarterback. I'm just wondering is this going to be more towards those kind of games because of the quarterback and wide receiver duo you're facing rather than the Ravens game last week? Yeah, uh, this is you're if you're comparing Justin Jefferson to the receiving core in Baltimore, that's like considering <laughs> not just varsity to JV, but varsity to like Pop Warner football. I think Jefferson might have a case for best receiver in football right now. I mean, he's having a better year than I think most. It's possible. I think uh, no. I think um, Cooper Cup is leading in every cat yards, receptions. I touchdowns. see what you're saying with the leading in stats, but if I put Cooper Cup and I put Justin Jefferson in front of you and said pick one, yeah, you probably you're picking go Jefferson. Jefferson. Yeah, you'd he's got go a Jefferson. more complete package than Cooper Cup does. Why do you think it is then if Jefferson has this better utility belt to him? And Cooper Cup's getting all these stats to his name. I I think Cooper Cup's an amazing wide receiver. I don't, no, I I don't know. want this I'm to just, be disparaging. I, like, make, I don't make it make sense. I don't really get it. You you would think because Cooper Cup plays alongside another great receiver. He played along Robert Woods, and now Odell is finding. He has two touchdowns so far in L.A., but I don't know if I'm ready to call him a great receiver yet. But. But he is also playing alongside OBJ, so there was no uh, there was no space left in between Robert Woods going down and OBJ coming in where where Cooper Cup's stats were padded. I guess I would question if you put Cooper Cup in a different offense that wasn't Sean McVay's offense, I'd wonder if he'd be as effective. Mm, I think he'd point. still be really good, but Justin I don't Jefferson think Jefferson across the board any team, is probably any yeah. team you put him on, he's probably going to get a thousand yard seasons, eight touchdowns per year, and and lead the team and and targets and receptions so yeah I just think that he's really making the case for that top spot in the league and especially this year I mean 1,208 yards is incredible already through the season oh yeah another weird thing about the Vikings though they average 5.8 yards per play on offense that's pretty good pretty good only seven teams in the NFL are better than that they give up 5.8 yards per play on defense. So they give up just as much as they gain. They cancel each other out in that factor. Another thing that they cancel themselves out in, they average 25 points per game scored on offense. 
They give up 25 points per game scored on defense. I mean, this team is literally even-steven. I mean, everything just evens out for them offensively to defensively. Uh, they're five and seven. Their record should probably be six and six right now with that, the way that all these stats are going and how they even sure. everything out. How how neutral everything. Exactly. Is. I mean, it might be the most prolifically average team ever in the NFL. They might be exactly number sixteen in the league, just right smack dab in the middle. Can play with anybody in the top Would fifteen. You put them at sixteen or seventeen. I don't know. Bottom of the top half or top of the bottom half. Either way, I think they can play with anybody in the top half, and I think they can lose to anybody in the bottom half as they just lost to the worst team in the NFL. So up and down, left and right, they're schizophrenic almost, and that's kind of what the worry is with the Steelers against this team. One thing that I think is going really well for them offensively, and we kind of touched on this a little bit with Kirk and his three interceptions, is protection not just of the football, They've only given the ball away nine total times. It's the best in the NFL. And Kirk's three interceptions is the best in the NFL as far as that category is concerned. But their pass protection of Kirk Cousins has been so vastly improved. And that's a project in Minnesota they've been working on for years is that offensive line play. I mean, the biggest detriment to Kirk when he got there was this guy's got no time to throw the ball. He's constantly under pressure. And you have to wonder if there's some sort of, you know, cohesion between the fact that he's being protected in the pocket and he's not throwing interceptions this year he's not having to force the ball out of there extremely fast and it's paying dividends they've only allowed 18 total sacks this season their one and a half sacks allowed per game is the second best figure in the nfl tampa bay only allows fewer sacks per game than minnesota so that pass protection leading to protection of the football both by not fumbling and by kirk not throwing interceptions I mean, this Vikings offense is damn near perfect in my mind. I mean, they run the ball well, they pass the ball well, they've got weapons everywhere, they protect they, they protect Kirk, and they don't turn they it don't over. Turn the ball over, right? Why are they losing all these games? Maybe exactly. because the defense is in the bottom half of most categories. But we'll get to that in a second. We'll get to that in a second. But it it's got to be frustrating if you're Kirk Cousins, right? Best you, year of your career. Best year of your career. You have the best protection you've probably ever had in your career. You have great weapons around you. Sure, some have been hurt, but Adam Thielen, up until this point, has been 100% available to you. You're doing the best job since you've entered the league at protecting the ball yourself, and you are sitting here at, what, week 14 now with only five wins. It doesn't make much sense. Well, it does when you, if you want to now turn the page and flip to the defense because... I think you contribute. You can contribute a lot of those losses to the defense, to the offense. You mean? Yeah, you sorry. can contribute to the defense, who are thirtieth in yards per game. No, I'm saying the losses you can contribute to the defense. Right. You said offense. Thirtieth in yards per game. Twenty third against the pass. Twenty ninth against the rush, and they give up twenty five points per game. Like I said, which is poetically number twenty five in the entire NFL. Mm -hmm. Stopping that run has been a huge problem for the Vikings. They give up 131 yards per game on the ground, and they give up 4.7 yards per carry. That is second worst in the NFL. Can you guess who gives up the most yards per carry in the NFL? Is it the Baltimore Ravens? No, it's the, is Pittsburgh, it the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers? Yes, I bet you the Pittsburgh. Baltimore Ravens aren't that far behind. So they give up 4.7 yards per game on the ground. The Steelers had some power running going for them against the Ravens, especially late in that game. I mean, even Benny Snell had it like... 13 yards on two carries or something like that. So they were moving some people up front. 
that Pittsburgh offensive line was. Now they get a team uh, in Minnesota that they can really move the ball against. And a number that's really jumping out to me here is 90.4% of all the rushing attempts against Minnesota have gained positive yardage. That's the highest in the league. What's the thing that's plagued Najee the most this year? He's getting hit in the backfield. Mm -hmm. Against Minnesota, nine times out of ten, he'll get to the line of scrimmage and beyond before he gets hit. So... Big, big, big thing in the Steelers' favor here is to try to run that ball down Minnesota's throat. But we've seen these games before, Jacob, where it's so obvious the writing's on the wall. This team can be run against. The Chargers game comes to mind especially. You can pound this ball down their throat, and the Steelers have not been able to do that. I think the Seattle game is another one that comes to mind where, man, it was the worst rush defense in football at the time, and they could not break the century mark against them. The Steelers could, so... We've had these moments where it's been like, oh, obviously, it's a slam dunk. You just run this ball down their throat. But that doesn't always translate to the Steelers successfully doing that. No, it doesn't. And look at last week, too. We knew the Ravens had, what, the second best running defense and the worst passing defense? And they still, the Steelers somehow said, we don't care about that. We're still going to run the ball 25 times to 31 pass attempts. For the, we're going we're gonna to make that margin as a six- uh, a six-play differential for the first time in, what, six weeks? It's been that close? Uh, Tom, it's, it's head-scratching because, as you pointed out, week after week after week, the Steelers were going up against these horrible run defenses and completely shying away. I think you mentioned the Seattle game as, as the first one, but I think the biggest, the, the biggest question mark on the season had to have been Mason Rudolph throwing the ball 50 times <laughs> against, against the Lions, Detroit. Yeah. That was, I think, the most atrocious, uh, uh, negligent uh, play calling we've seen all year by Matt Canada and this Pittsburgh offense. And then, again, we, we said all week last week, you're going up against the best run defense and and one of the worst pass defenses. So you're happy with that. You, you like to pass the ball, so go ahead and pass the ball. Not we're going to make it 50-50. So here we are again, Tom. There's a clear path to victory when approaching this opposing defense. It's just what approach are they actually going to take? Are they going to are they going to go with the road less traveled? Are they going to go with the easy pass toward greener pastures? I don't know. Well, the good news is this Vikings defense really doesn't make you pick your poison because they're pretty bad against the pass as well, mm. especially against wide receivers. Pretty decent against taking away tight ends but Anthony Barr and Kendricks are hurt, and Harrison Smith's going to have to do almost all of that against Fryermuth in this game. So that might take a step back, too. But they allow nine yards per target to opposing wide receivers. That's 29th in the NFL, and only three other teams in the NFL have given up more touchdowns to wide receivers than the Minnesota Vikings have. So could be another big day for Deontay Johnson, who has just been having a coming-out party this season. Had a bad drop, but made up for it with another touchdown catch on a deep ball and another touchdown catch later in the game against the Ravens. So he's been really establishing himself as wide receiver number one, and now he's got a pretty weak secondary and some pretty weak corners, even though Patrick Peterson's there, but that's more just the name than anything else right now. He's really got a shot to have a big game against the Vikings on Thursday night. So even if maybe the Steelers decide to shy away from the run and aren't running the ball as much as we think they should be running the football, it's a team that can be beat through the air as well in Minnesota. So I don't know if it'll be as detrimental as some of the other games, but I still think your best bet is running the football as an offense. So that's why 
even though you can pass against this team, I would still try to stick to running the football. It's probably your biggest strength right now. That's fair. I, I, I totally get that. But it's obviously advantageous for the Steelers to be going up against this defense on this Thursday night because it's never easy to go against a team on a Thursday on that short week. And given the Steelers, what we've seen out of them, their 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 ability to strategize, or maybe their I hate to say this, their lack thereof ability to strategize properly for an opposing defense, maybe this helps. Maybe there because as you laid out, there is no wrong way of going about this approach. You can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you like. It's just you have to make sure whichever approach you take, make sure you're committed to it. If you want to commit to the pass, commit to the pass. Don't be doing these these jet sweeps that have not been working. I haven't all seen those long. in a couple weeks. Haven't seen them no. in a couple weeks, but don't try to do anything too fancy, right? Don't don't play chess when you could be playing checkers. As as I think on a short, we've been saying a lot. I think season. on a short week, especially because you got to keep things as basic as possible. I mean, you, could, you, could you call back to some tricky plays you did earlier in the year? Sure. Yeah, but I don't think you're really you know scripting or you are scripting your 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 opening drive. But it's not like you can go out there and run the practice of the script. I mean, you might be able to walk through it in the hotel room on Thursday morning, but you're not going to be able to really put in a full game plan like you usually would on a full week. So you exactly. got to keep it simple. Kinda. Keep it simple. And, again, it won't kill me if you neglect Najee Harris again because there is a – there. You don't have to go one or the other. You don't have to go pass heavy. You don't have to go run heavy as you laid out. So if you want to neglect Najee Harris, I certainly won't be happy about it. I think this guy needs to get the football a lot more than he has, which is ridiculous to say because I think he has the most touches out of any NFL player right now, running back or tight end or receiver. But it's still not enough. The guy needs to be getting the, the ball more, especially on the ground. But if you're at least – committing to the pass with with the plays that you know you can run well like like let me hark back to uh the Detroit Lions week right we kind of were opened up to what what goes into in depth a, a, a strategy for throughout the week and when the news broke that Ben Roethlisberger was going to be unavailable on Saturday night the, only with what 12 hours to right. go before kickoff something like that we were we were given access to what had been planned for up until that point. And we had heard that Mason Rudolph was told, I like this play. We wanted to use this play, this play, this play, this play. And Mason Rudolph said, okay, well, I like these. So why not just do that? Why not go with the plays that you know work and you know you're most comfortable running with? Just because when you're going up against this Minnesota defense, on any given week, nonetheless, on a week where they're out with both starting middle linebackers potentially you, potentially right but still but like but if, likely even if you get them back they're not going to be 100 percent. this is the week to just do what you do best what speaking of doing what you do best the only thing that i really worry about against this vikings defense is their pass rush so that's another reason maybe why you should stick to running the football even though passing is a viable option because they get after the quarterback a lot Second in the league overall as far as total sacks are concerned to 
your Pittsburgh Steelers, who are in first place and who now jump, who leapfrogged about five teams on their way, and are now week. eyeing a fifth straight season leading the NFL in sacks. Wow, what an incredible run this I mean, has you been! Gotta as give, far as Steelers, you gotta defense. give a lot of credit to Baltimore allowing. Seven gotta live, sacks. gotta gotta give a lot of credit to T.J. Watt and his sure. sixteen oh, sacks course. already tied James Harrison's single season record. That record will be broken. He will be the Steelers' single season sack getter. Michael Strahan is now in his sights as far as the overall sack so record is concerned. So is that seat on that on that rocket ship to uh to, yeah, that's space. right. We 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 on a previous episode said that if he beats Strahan, he gets the seat on Bezos's next rocket ship as well as his Hall of Fame jacket. I, I don't know he's not getting <laughs> oh he's not getting into the Hall of Fame yet, but he gets Strahan's jacket. He just gets to keep that in his closet and just show it off okay. to people. Um it's funny he's getting MVP talk now too. I, I, ben I Ro- Ben Roethlisberger so, was right, the one was that really jumped that in there, that but I think rightfully so too. Especially in a year where there's no clear cut offensive player, because every time a quarterback seems to be the front runner, they throw three interceptions or something garbage like that. Uh, but as we always end our little MVP talk, I'll end it with this: It's going to go to Tom Brady. I mean, it's just going to go to Tom Brady. It's just is. So don't be surprised. It's going to go. It's going to go to Tom Brady. But as I was saying before, we got too off topic. There, they rush the passer really well. Minnesota does second in the league. They average three sacks per game. The Steelers average three point one sacks per game. So they're right around equal as far as sacking an opponent is concerned. What's really unique about Minnesota, though. Their top two sack getters, Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin, six sacks and five sacks, uh, respectively, they out. They're not playing in this football game, and they're out for basically the entire season. So they've been struggling there as far as having, you know, their top two dogs in there to, to sack the quarterback. But what's so remarkable is the ability to find pressure elsewhere for this defense. They have 16 players that have at least half a sack. 10 players that have over one sack on this Vikings team. So that's incredible depth. That's pass rush coming from all different directions. It's good scheming from Mike Zimmer. Uh, a lot of that has to probably be trying to make up for the absence of your two big guys, Griffin and Hunter. Um, and because of that, you probably have to blitz a lot more and you have to send more exotic rushes towards quarterbacks. And maybe that's hurting you on the back end, but mm. Still, they get after it, and I would not be surprised if Ben Roethlisberger is on his back more times in this game than he has been in recent weeks. Steelers line has done a decent job at pass pro, and he gets the ball out of there real quick, but this is the best pass. This is basically like going up against your own defense as far as their in terms of ability to rush pressure. the passer. Yeah, sure. yeah, especially when you consider last week the 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 job that the offensive line did which offensive line are you going to get? Because this offensive line is as hot and as cold as one could possibly be. We we saw a bad start to the season. And then we saw progress starting in about week four of the Green Bay game was when everyone started to think that this offensive line was turning over a new leaf. And they did so for those next four games when they were on that four-game winning streak. But then the following three games against Detroit, against uh, the Chargers. I almost said San Diego, but I didn't. And against Cincinnati, we saw really bad protection. We saw Ben getting hit to the ground. We saw Ben turning the ball over, something he didn't do once during that four-game winning streak. No. And here you are, back us, backs up against the wall. B.J. Finney goes out immediately. You have to switch over. Zach, you have to bring in Zach Banner. You have to switch Chooks. And you have to bring in a guy like John LeGlue 
And all of a sudden, Ben's not getting sacked. Ben's not turning the ball over. I, I mean, They're running the ball well. Huh? They're running the ball They're running the ball effectively, and not just with Najee Harris, with the backups. It's just you're not you're not going to be going up though against a very pedestrian pass defense uh, like you were against Baltimore. This is a this is a new beast you're going up against in Minnesota, and it, and it could spell bad. Last week was a good story for the offensive line, Tom, but I don't know if I have high hopes for them again this week. That's going to do it for this episode of Steelers Standard. Thanks as always for giving us a listen. Still got some more matchups and game breakdown of Vikings versus Steelers on Thursday night in later episodes that we're going to do, so keep an ear out for that. For Jacob Recht, I'm Tom Offerman. Thanks, as always, for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.